Welcome to the Well Woman Show, where we use intersectional feminism, mindfulness, leadership, and strategy to support smart women to change the world without anxiety, insecurity, and burnout. I saw so many things or experienced so many ways in which systems were created that people worked in that felt viscerally unhealthy or that felt viscerally against what in my gut feels like the right way to relate to community and provide healthcare. On the show, we challenge the status quo and support you to unlearn harmful messages that keep you playing small so you can activate your superpowers and live with joy, confidence, and ease. I'm your host, Giovanna Rossi. Hello, hello, well women. Welcome to the show. Today on the show, I have Anjali Taneja, who is a family physician and DJ who's passionate about reimagining healthcare and healing in the U.S. She's the executive director of Casa de Salud, a culturally humble and anti-racist nonprofit model of care that aims to transform the biomedical model into one of solidarity with community and collective care. CASA integrates primary care, queer, transgender care, harm reduction, addictions treatment, case management, medical debt advocacy, and community organizing. Anjali is board certified in family medicine and in addiction medicine, also working in the emergency room of a small rural hospital in the Navajo Nation. Anjali is a statewide appointee to the Governor's Council on Racial Justice. Also, stay tuned until the end of the show when I share week four of the Well Woman Summer Reset. For weeks one to three, you can visit wellwomanlife.com slash summer. You can find notes from today's show at wellwomanlife.com slash 290 show. The Well Woman Show is thankful for support from the Well Woman Academy at wellwomanlife.com slash academy. Join us in the academy for community, mindfulness practices, and practical support to live your Well Woman life. I'm speaking with Dr. Anjali Taneja. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's so great to have you on. I just want to start by having you tell listeners, who are you in the world today? Thanks. So I'm a healthcare worker and a cultural worker. I describe myself as a relentless, realistic optimist and a spiritual being in regards to feeling connected to nature and to the well-being of people around me. That's probably how I would describe myself and just very excited about all the things all the time. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. And Anjali, you described yourself as a cultural worker. What does that mean for listeners who may not have really heard that term before? Like, what, what is that for you? Sure. Yeah, that's the primary way that I identify myself. I mean, it's as someone who works in an area that spans in some parts, you know, healthcare delivery, but in other pieces, community organizing and working on transforming culture inside and outside of healthcare. It also kind of represents a creative side to things, which I think is so important in this work. So that's how I would describe cultural worker. And I describe myself as a healthcare worker also in terms of solidarity with a whole range of healthcare workers, especially during this COVID pandemic, when um, I think a lot has shown us how connected we are in healthcare. And I feel like there feels like less of a hierarchy of I'm a family doc or I'm a physician compared to other folks uh, we're working with. Uh, things feel more connected and team-based and being in, in the worker status, I think kind of relocates me and encourages other people to relocate themselves in a kind of more flat picture. But the cultural worker piece is related to creativity and transformative cultural change. 
Yeah. Okay. And you're clearly a leader in this work and, you know, integrating healing and organizing. And I feel like just doing things differently and taking the lead on that instead of waiting for permission to do it a different way or, or something. I, I see guessing, like I, I see you doing that in how you've described yourself in, in what, a, you know, what I know about you and the projects that you've created. How have you developed that leadership and, and how did you know that that's what you wanted to do and, and get, you know, how did you get started doing that? Well, from a young age was encouraged to pursue <laughs> medicine coming from an immigrant family. And in exploring that, I ended up going a couple different routes into, at one point, I wanted to become an international diplomat and work around peace diplomacy that moved to global health because I saw the needs globally. This was all before medical school. And and then as I kind of situated myself in a master's in public health and then medical school, it was alarming to see where the fractures in healthcare existed and bringing my social justice knowledge that my family had ingrained in me and that my schooling had ingrained in me and my own personal interests, bringing that social justice knowledge and passion to healthcare, it, it clicked that it made sense to work on transforming kind of ground level delivery of healthcare in the US. So that's kind of where that passion arrived from. I think this path has been a path of survival for me, to be honest, going through the institutions of medicine and training in, you know, what's either called Western medicine or conventional medicine, you know, the medical degree route and physician route. I saw so many things or experienced so many ways in which systems were created that people worked in that felt viscerally unhealthy or that felt viscerally against what in my gut feels like the right way to relate to community and provide healthcare. And there's a lot of racism in healthcare. There's a lot of healthcare providers not looking at all like the communities that they're from, that they serve. And there's a lot of system issues that disallow good people in medicine to do the work that they want to do. And I think I think that when you bring a certain spirit to your work and your workplace doesn't carry that spirit, that similar spirit, I think that's where burnout happens. It's like a visceral feeling of like what I'm bringing here doesn't match the culture of where I'm working. And so for me, survival mechanism of doing this work and the leadership in this work comes from this sense of I don't quite fit in the healthcare system. And so either... I leave and say this wasn't for me or I am a part of making a change. And like you referenced, the work that I'm very passionate about and that I hope is legacy work is related to the role of healthcare in actually building power and solidarity with community. And that relates to this idea of decolonizing medicine also, which is related to decreasing the power differential that exists with medicine and the communities that healthcare that health professionals serve. So I've been really excited and interested in my whole career in what healthcare systems can do to decrease that power differential, understand communities better, and have a role in community organizing around issues that affect the communities that we work with and in solidarity with them, not speaking for them. So it's been really fun work. And I think I'm passionate about how we can scale some of this up, these ideas, communicate with others who are trying to do similar work and help kind of transform the 
culture of what it means to be in in healthcare. And that's challenging because there's a lot of competing interests and things, mm-hmm. but it's been really great to develop Casa de Salud and to develop kind of other projects that are really trying to test this out and try this differently. And, you know, I think, I think I'll die trying, but at least I'll have <laughs> tried with really great teams of people to do this work. Yes. I just want to kind of dig into a few things that you mentioned and say that, you know, I talked to a lot of women leaders on this show who are doing really innovative outside the mainstream projects, dismantling systems. And I would love for you to talk about dismantling systems while managing and succeeding within the systems in order to be able to do the work you're doing. If you have an example of how you do that or anything specific you can address so that we can really understand that? Sure. Currently, my my biggest role is in being the executive director of a system that's been created from the ground up. So it's my, most of my time is spent building and visioning out a, a new system versus trying to make change from within other systems. But I work with many people who are trying to do that work. And the ways in which we try to influence that is, for example, around care and treatment of people with opioid addictions in New Mexico, Um, we got to create what felt right to us. And that allowed for input from people with lived experience and that iterated without a lot of bureaucracy on what we could do better. And that integrates evidence-based medication called Suboxone with integrative healing, with mind-body-soul medicine, with civic engagement and harm reduction, and really just a lot of love and understanding where shame plays a role in people's Mm -hmm. cycles of addictions and working really hard to make sure that we create a system that undoes that and looks at that differently. And so over time, we've also been able to help influence some other systems and transform their cultures or systems to ensure that they're responding to the needs of community members better, that they're looking at what the quote unquote user experience or the experience of the person walking through the front door is as they're trying to access care. And that may relate to things like shifting some arbitrary mandatory things that people have to do in treatment, or that might mean increasing access to treatment. So we, we've we done some work helping other systems think differently about how to change their care. But a lot of our work also is around making larger policy change to improve standards of care and to make sure that more people have access to treatment and to lift up the voices of people who can give critical feedback on what can be done better, both statewide policy and in healthcare systems. And then we've also done other policy work that transforms the entire ecosystem of access to care in regards to expanding health access, health insurance access, and expanding healthcare access for some of our most marginalized populations of folks, including people who are uninsured, including immigrants, including people who are undocumented. And so that ends up transforming the way a care is delivered and the kinds of access that people have. And it transforms racism also in healthcare because so much of racism are, are, are the structural barriers that exist that allow some people to have access to care and others to not. Yes. And I would love to know what, what would you say to sort of early career professionals or even medical students who hear you talk and get excited about, oh my gosh, sounds like there's some hope for, you know, changing the system. How can they get involved or what, what would you tell them to do early in their career or as a student? 
Yes. So a couple of things I would advise relate to what my journey was like in the same place, which is to kind of cultivate, build connections with people who can be mentors. That for me was one of the most critical pieces of my work because I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll say that even in medical school, when I was in my gut felt so strongly about pursuing family medicine as my area of interest, which is a very generalist approach. I'd love to just put a shingle on a door and say, anyone come in, let's let's work with you and support you. And my professors and people who definitely had much more power and years of experience advised me not to do that and said that I should instead pursue a specialty and that family medicine wasn't going to be a field in 30 years and that I'm too smart for family medicine or the things like that that were just really not helpful. But because I had developed mentorship, I had mentors who were doing this kind of work, it allowed me to see through that and make a better decision long-term for myself. Yeah, There are other people who might say, you you know, your ideas sound really idealistic. I used to think like you and then reality hit and life hit and that's not the way life works. And that's something that can be really impressionable for someone who is just starting out in their career. And Dr. Joya Mukherjee, who's the chief medical officer of Partners in Health, had said to us early on in, in medical school at a conference that there will be people who will say things like that and just keep in mind that they were never like you. So keep your ideals and find ways to make those things happen. So I'm really excited. I mean, as a mentor to other folks, I'm really excited about inspiring people to think about creating systems. We live in a world right now where the majority of physicians are now uh, employed by corporations, hospital systems, large healthcare organizations which has an impact on the localization or community-based manner in which we can support our, our communities. And I'm really passionate about helping to show people that there's another way, as many of my mentors have helped yeah. show me and really re-inspire and have a part in decreasing burnout in the, in the yeah. future. So mentorship is definitely a huge, huge one. That is huge. And, and we do talk about that a lot on the Well Woman Show, because I do believe you have to see people doing what you want to do. It, it's really important to be able to see that, to make it easier even a, a glimpse of reality for yourself. And, and this is re- very true for particularly folks who have historically been marginalized or just haven't had access to being able to, to do these big things that, that you're talking about. So that's really important. And I also want to ask you about scaling up because when people like you are making such a big impact, I do see the need to, to like, how do you scale? You know, how do you replicate? And one of the things I see you doing is, and, and then if you would also add to this, like getting appointed to task forces, sitting on boards, making sure, you know, working in policy, you already mentioned, making sure that you're able to scale or share your ideas beyond the projects that you have your hand in. Yes, that's so right on. That's definitely part of what uh, the impact that we want to have. We are one clinic in one location in uh, the South Valley of Albuquerque and Bernalillo County. And we think one, that this model is replicable. And to be clear, our model, we are not a federally qualified health center, so we don't get federal funding and also are not tied to a lot of kind of the bureaucratic uh, strings that 
come with that mm-hmm. and are able to be nimble and creative as a nonprofit model of care serving, you know, almost 70% of our patients are uninsured and the majority of the rest of them uh, are on Medicaid, finding a way to make that sustainable, commun- deeply community rooted and community based. And so we think a lot about how do we, how do we expand this? We don't, we've had our, you know, nose to the ground doing the work for all these years and we're proud that we exist. <laughs> and, and I think that that's something to, that's an accomplishment in a world where healthcare forces work against the existence of structures like this. But in regards to being able to take these ideas somewhere, I mean, you can go a couple different routes. We could create 15 more Casa de Salud around New Mexico. We could do what you talked about, which is what we do, which is work to impact policy and influence change at a local and statewide level that has been incredibly rewarding. We've, we have a community organizer full-time on staff because we believe in the importance of that. And we're organizing health workers and health professionals around the state, around policy issues. We've done organizing work with patients around addictions-related issues. And yes, I've been on some statewide and county boards, really trying to take our voice and and our ideas and help make some change. And and it has been really impactful. And that's part of what I love about my job, that I get to do a mix of seeing patients, visioning out how we build this this organization and also working to make kind of statewide change. And and I'll also say that 18 years into our existence, we're one of a few, a handful of clinics and healing spaces around the country that actually from day one and until now does integrative healing work in one space, that docs are working with acupuncturists and massage therapists and Reiki masters and curanderas, traditional Mexican healers, all under one roof together Mm -hmm. as employees uh, together. And we think that that kind of model is so helpful. But all these years, there's not been a lot of uh, clinic structures or or healing space structures that integrate all of that. And that feels important. So part of the other piece of our scaling, which I'm really super excited about, relates to kind of the redevelopment of a website that can help connect people. I mean, talk about mentorship and inspiring each other, how can help connect people around the country who are either building creative systems on the ground level or who are interested in transforming kind of larger systems mm. that they're situated inside of, understanding kind of our history of medicine and also intersecting with people who are on the receiving side of getting healthcare and hearing their voices and policy folks and others. And from 2007 to 2013, a couple of us built this website called curethis.org. And that was our intention and we had over 400 members and there was really great discussion. And then we were all volunteer based and it got spammed over time. We just kind of let it go. But the COVID pandemic has re-inspired us and we're hoping to relaunch curethis.org. There's a splash page on the website right now for folks who are interested in hearing more. But that feels like a place for mentorship, a place for inspiration, and a place for scaling ideas and learning from each other around the country in a way that's different from, okay, let's set up another brick and mortar yeah. structure. Yeah, good. Okay, I'm I'm talking to Anjali Taneja, a family physician and DJ who is passionate about reimagining healthcare and healing in the U.S. We'll be right back. You're invited to join me for a brand new monthly group experience over in the Well Woman Academy. This is a monthly group that includes access to the full six-week course based on feminism, mindfulness, and the Well Woman Life Framework. It includes weekly groups coaching sessions with me, as well as office hours and a private Facebook group to share and grow. Don't get me wrong, this is hard work. But with these tools, you will easily find the time to do the course, get the coaching, and reach your goals 
bills monthly. If you find yourself worrying about whether you'll ever make it in the thing you're pursuing, waking up in the middle of the night with anxiety, lacking the energy you need to get everything done, stuck in some aspect of leading your team, procrastinating on moving forward with projects and tasks, or in a leadership role but second-guessing yourself constantly, I'd love to introduce you to the Well Woman Academy. It's for smart, high-achieving women changing the world who want to overcome anxiety, burnout, perfectionism, and insecurity. The result? You get to live your Well Woman life, a life of joy, ease, and abundance, even when things are tough all around you. Visit wellwomanlife.com academy to learn more. We're back on the Well Woman Show with Dr. Anjali Taneja. And Anjali, I want to ask you about your other hat, I guess we'll say, which is being a DJ. So that didn't come up yet in the first part of the show. And I'd love to ask you, how do, how does that work? Like you're a doctor and a DJ. Were you a DJ first? And do you still do, you still do that? Yes, I was a DJ first. Music is life. It's something that I can zone out with. It's something that I can get into what they call a flow state with. Mm -hmm. And it can pick me up from any low mood, any time. And I like so many types of music. And it's just been this amazing thread through my life. And in college, I started doing a radio show with a friend and we basically were just playing all types of music, like everything that we liked. And there were uh, turntables in the booth and I got excited about them. And this was before there were many women in DJing and I got very excited and I learned from a friend who was a DJ and learned on my own, also got my own turntables and started DJing in college. And then I moved to New York City for my master's in public health and uh, connected with some incredible DJs who took me under their wing. And I became a resident DJ doing a monthly party called Mutiny, which was related to electronic music, world music, fusion, um, integrating South Asian kind of percussion beats into things, a really creative space that had a, a growing following. So I got to be a resident DJ for years. And then after I left New York City, I DJed in the other cities that I moved to. And I do a little bit less of it here in Albuquerque, but I just absolutely love it. It, it moves me. I like to work hard and play hard. And that's part of my playing hard. Yeah. Um, and now more recently, I'm excited about producing music. So I'm using my DJ equipment as part of like what new music can be created versus playing other people's music. But oh, it's wow. such a, it's a coping mechanism, a healing mechanism, all of that. And just a really great creative outlet. And I love how music brings people together and lifts up everyone's mood. So it feels nice to be able to curate that and help keep a beat going so that people can keep dancing. I love that. Okay. That's so interesting because so I, I've been working in, in policy for a really long time and I also love music and I was selecting music for a radio show years ago. And, and from there I started DJing for the radio station and the news director was always like, well, don't you want to do a, a news segment for us? And I was like, no, I, I really just, I just want to do music. I want to separate those things. And of course, eventually I gave in and I started doing public affairs and women's health and policy. And, and now it's the well woman show, but I love the idea that we can have our, our quote unquote, serious identity, creating change and doing policy work. And then we can have, we can also have our fun arts and creative and, and it doesn't have to be separate. We can integrate them. Yes. Um, all about and, integration. And so we only have a few minutes left actually, but I want to get to our superpowers for success segment. And I would love to ask you a quick round here. What does success in life mean for you? I believe it means a lot of things. It means loving well, having purpose in 
one's work. And for me, helping to transform the conditions that we live under and making profound change in people's lives while having fun. And when did you know you were really good at what you do? I don't know. I think that's something that has developed over time. Probably as I got into my career after my training and seeing what impact I could have by knowing that I thought about things differently and could make change in that way was really powerful and and led me to wanting to build a career where I'm not necessarily in an exam room seeing patients all day, every day, but being able to mix different things together. Mm -hmm. Um, So probably early on in my medical career, but I knew something was interesting percolating during <laughs> during medical school and, and, and residency. And can you describe a personal habit that contributes to your own well-being so you can do all of these things that you do? I think I mentioned that I work hard and I play hard and I really love spending time with loved ones and friends and that really re-energizes me. All right. And what superpower did you discover you had only to realize it was there all the time? I mentioned ideas. I can go through a day and have 10 new wild ideas. One, I, I wish I could build a think tank and just come up with ideas and then hire other people to make them happen. But I think when I went from feeling like I had all these ideas and that's great and I'm unfocused and being able to transform some of them into reality, that felt like a superpower. Yeah. Okay. And what advice would you give your younger self, say your early 20s self? I think I used to be a little bit more frustrated or angrier at systems. And I think that can feel it make you feel a little bit more hopeless. I think I would have said, like, just find your path and walk it. And if it's a new path, don't be afraid, have courage and be fearless because things will manifest really must trust yourself. I love that. Okay. Do you identify as a feminist? I do, but more so as I think what would be called an abolition feminist. Mariam Kaba kind of coined that term and it relates to kind of dismantling systems and structures that create harm and violence. And so a very intersectional uh, approach to, to feminism. And then last question, Anjali, what are you reading right now? What's on your nightstand? So in addition to the many ideas, I also generally have many books at one time on my nightstand. And my challenge is always to get through them without losing what I'm reading. So a couple of them right now, I have this book called Undoing Drugs by Maya Salovitz. It's a history of harm reduction and the future of addiction in the U.S. I'm reading a book called Inflamed, Deep Medicine and the Anatomy and Justice, written by my friend and Superstar Rupa Maria, Dr. Rupa Maria and Raj Patel. And then I'm reading about this Aravind Eye Clinic in India, which developed this wild model of doing all these eye surgeries to treat preventable blindness and serves as many people for free as they do for cost. It's called Infinite Vision and excites my business side of things. Okay. That's great. We're going to add those to the show notes. And I've been speaking with Anjali Tanasia, who is changing healthcare and healing in the U.S. It's been such a pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you so much. So appreciate it. And now on the Well Woman Show, I'm happy to start on week four of the Well Woman Summer Reset. So if you've been following this the past few weeks, you have heard us reflect on what we want to create. We've given our guts and our brains the deep rest they need. And if you want to go back and do the first three weeks, head over to wellwomanlife.com summer. You can register for free and receive all the past information and materials. So this week, we're building on the foundation of deep rest in order to create a power down routine in the evening. Now, if you've already had an evening routine, this may be a refresher, or you might want to create a brand new routine here. 
In week two, we learned about sunset eating, basically finishing your dinner and snacking by sunset. Now we're talking about taking that and building on it for a whole evening routine so that you have a really good amount of time between sunset and going to bed where you can literally power down your mind and body. I don't know about you, but during the pandemic, the really tough months of mostly quarantining inside, I, like many, developed some new habits, like watching a lot of Netflix and snacking late at night. So this week, we're going to reset back to a healthier, more vibrant, power down routine. I want you to think about what would you like your evening to look like after you finish dinner and snacking? and you have maybe a couple of hours before you're going to sleep, what would you like to do with your time? And I'm going to suggest that reading, walking, or playing, listening to music, having fun, I'm going to suggest that those are part of this routine and that screens take a back seat. And just try this. We're creating spaciousness in our evening routine that will really support us to wake up the next morning and feel energized for the day. So I'd love you to try it out. Let me know how it's going at info at wellwomanlife.com or you can find us on social media at Well Woman Life. Until next week, have a super powerful week. That's it for our show today. Remember, if you need support to live your well woman life, head over to wellwomanlife.com. As a reminder, we are on NPR every week. So be sure to tune in at npr.org slash podcasts and search for the well woman show. If you enjoyed today's show, please take a moment and subscribe and leave a review. This helps raise visibility, which is super helpful when it comes to producing the show every week. For feedback, comments, or just to let me know you were listening, find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Well Woman Life. I'm Giovanna Rossi for The Well Woman Show. Until next time, have a super powerful week.